sometimes when we hear what our missionaries are doing, it sounds so distant from us. Now, physically, they may be distant on a different continent. They're speaking language other than United States English, working in cultures that are different than ours, and sometimes are doing things that are beyond the scope of what I think I may do, like building a school. We call them missionaries, but I have the same mission as they do. And I don't mean as a pastor, I mean as a disciple of Jesus. Jesus provides me the same purpose and the same tools to build the kingdom. We're going to spend two weeks focusing on our common mission between us and our missionaries. Today our text is Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, where Jesus prepares the disciples to be witnesses. Acts 1, 1 through 8. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise which, he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In this passage, we see Jesus provides the tools to build the kingdom of God. And let's look at what those tools are. The first tool is the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. The description of Jesus' actions here surprised me when I read them closely. During Jesus' three-year ministry, we know he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. John 3.34 says, For the one whom God sent speaks God's words, since he, that is the Father, gives the Spirit without measure. Romans 8.11 says that it was the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 8.11, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. I had just assumed that after Jesus rose from the dead and was given all authority and power, that while he still does the will of God the Father, that he acts in his own power. But Acts 1 tells us that Jesus is still working through the power of the Holy Spirit after the resurrection. Jesus gave instructions to his disciples through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves him to present himself to people as alive with proofs such as talking, being touchable, and eating. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus teaches his disciples about the kingdom of God and spends 40 days ministering in this way. Then toward the end of this instruction, Jesus tells his disciples to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise their baptism and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. 
I read a story about a man who visited a dam on the Columbia River. He'd always thought that the water spilling over the top of the dam provided the power, not realizing that that was just the froth. The power came from the turbines and generators deep within the dam where he couldn't see, transforming the power of tons of moving water into electricity. The power is not the mighty dam holding back the water. The power is not the overflow of water spilling over the top. The power is the water moving through the dam. If I'm going to do the work of God, grow the kingdom of God, I need God's power moving in and through me. I think I'm an intelligent guy, but intelligence is not enough. I know how to plan and work hard, but my plans and my muscles are not enough. Those things are enough to do my work, but God doesn't call me to do my work. God calls me to do God's work. And that's not just for pastors or just for missionaries. That is the call for all disciples of Jesus. I have to then ask, since this is a tool I need to grow God's kingdom, how do I get this power? Jesus tells his disciples to wait for it, but the waiting is over. The Holy Spirit has now been given to every disciple of Jesus. Any lack of kingdom of God progress is not on account of a lack of tools or power. I have the power of the Holy Spirit. Think of it this way. I have a snowblower. But sometimes I just grab a shovel and muscle the snow out of the way. There are times when a shovel and muscles are the right tools for the job. The steps can't be cleared with a snowblower. However, if my job is to clear the sidewalks and I don't get it done because I choose to use a shovel instead of access the power of the snowblower, I can't blame the snowblower or claim the job was too big for me. I access the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer and follow that prayer with courageous words and actions. Prayer is where I ask God for the power, the direction, and discernment to complete God's purpose. And then in faith, I go out and be a witness, knowing that the Spirit will give me the words and the power I need. Jesus promises this to his disciples in Luke 12, 11 and 12, where he says, Whenever they bring you before the synagogue and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you should defend yourselves or what, you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. The Holy Spirit is the biggest tool that God has provided us, and it's also the most intangible, so it requires faith to use. The Holy Spirit is bringing the power of the spiritual realm to impact the physical realm with myself as the conduit. Now, that's potentially scary and exciting. But do I want to be a dam that just holds the water back or one that releases power? Let's look again at verses 6 and 7 of Acts chapter 1. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus provides the tools to build the kingdom. The first tool is the Spirit. And the second tool is the time. There's a pretty cool show on Netflix right now called The Floor is Lava. I like watching it with my kids because it's a game we've all played as kids. And it's turned into a really cool game show. 
Teams work to get across an obstacle course room, but they can't touch the floor because the floor is lava. Time is an issue in this game. Theoretically, the teams have all the time in the world to get across the room to the finish line, but in reality, time is limited. They are competing against other teams, so it's necessary to be faster than the other teams to win. Furthermore, the lava level slowly rises over time, so getting to the end becomes more difficult the longer a team team takes. Time is a gift they have, but the teams cannot waste it. When I read the disciples' question, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I kind of asked myself, what were they thinking? Jesus has been teaching them for 40 days about the kingdom of God, and now they think they're ready for it to happen immediately. Now in the past, in the Old Testament, it was the priests, prophets, and kings that received the Holy Spirit. So now that Jesus says that they will receive the Holy Spirit, they might be thinking, Yes, this is it. We're going to rule. They in particular, and Israel in general. So they're wanting to confirm their expectations. Jesus, is this happening now? Jesus tells them, hold your horses. They're going to get the Holy Spirit, but they still have time. The kingdom of God has been at hand since Jesus began his ministry three years prior to this. The Holy Spirit is now coming not in not many days from now, just in a few days. But the kingdom reality that they are thinking about, Jesus tells them to forget about it. They don't know when it's coming. They won't know when it's coming. When Jesus says it's not for them to know the times or periods, Jesus is actually using two different words for time. That sentence could have been translated in English as, it's not for you to know the time or the time. But the two different words for time have two different views of time. The first word Jesus used for time is saying that it's not for them to know how much space there is between now and the coming kingdom. In the second word for time, Jesus is saying that's excuse me, that's not for them to know the time that the kingdom event will take place. Jesus is saying that God the Father is giving the disciples an unknown amount of time to get something done before the final kingdom of God comes to earth. It's not an unlimited amount of time, but it is an unrevealed amount of time. When we look at the coming kingdom of God, we have to remember the floor is lava. God the Father has given me the gift of time to be a witness, but I don't know how much time I have, so I can't waste it. I also don't know how much time someone else has, so I can't wait to tell them about salvation. God says in 2 Corinthians 6.2, And an acceptable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Now sure, I need to build a relationship and pray for a door to be opened by the Holy Spirit, just as the Apostle Paul prayed in Colossians 4.3, where he said, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. But then when that door is opened, I had better go through. Time is not just a tool, it's a gift. Time is valuable because people's lives are valuable, 
and the kingdom of God is most assuredly coming. Look again at our final verse, Acts 1.8. Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus provides the tools to build the kingdom. The first tool is the Spirit. The second tool is time. And the third tool is the place. I was talking with someone who was thinking about moving. I asked where would he like to move. And this person first told me all the different places he had been. We had to work through this conversation because I couldn't help him discern where God might want him to go if he was only looking back at where he had been. It's easier to pick a place to go when I have a target or at least some criteria. Criteria allows me to be open to the possibilities. Our family came to Oakdale in part because we were looking for a place that was closer to our family and a place that was or at least had the potential to become a multi-ethnic church congregation. We had some criteria and then God led us to the place. Back to Acts 1. Jesus says in a few days the disciples will get power with the Holy Spirit. This is an ultimate power to be witnesses, not rulers, at least not rulers yet. I call it the ultimate power to be a witness because the word for witness here is martyr, a word for which we define someone who gives up their life to follow and witness for Jesus. They will take this ultimate witnessing power to three places. First, to Jerusalem. This is where they already were and where people would be most receptive to the message. Second, to all Judea and Samaria. Now they move from where they were to where they know. With Jesus, the disciples had already traveled all through Judea and Samaria. They go back to the places they know. And then third, they go to the ends of the earth. Start where they were, move to where they know, and then go to the places they don't know. The remotest places. They literally need to go to the last places on earth. I can go to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth without even leaving the east side of the Twin Cities. Who do I witness to? First, start where I am. Go to where I know. And then finally, to the last place on earth that I would have gone. Starting where I am. You know, who am I already friends with that don't yet know Jesus? This could be my family, neighbors, friends. Peter follows Jesus and then brings Jesus home to heal his mother-in-law. Next, go to where I know. Where are my normal hangouts? Where do I work, go to school, or volunteer? Where do I shop? Who do I do hobbies with? When I was a child, my mother used to always get in the same checkout line at the grocery store every time she shopped, even if it was the longer line. She did this so she could talk with the same cashier every time. They built a relationship over checking out at the grocery store. When her regular cashier wasn't there, my mom would ask the other cashier, Hey, where's Maria today? And I'm sure that message got relayed back that my mom had asked about her. Use all the places I know to be a witness. Finally, I need to go somewhere that I wouldn't have gone before. This will be different for every disciple. 
We have a church in Indiana that holds a Bible study in the back of a strip club. I don't think God would call me there at this time because that might be more of a temptation than a witness opportunity for me. But hey, if you hear from someone, hey, I saw your pastor at the bar. Reply happily, that's a good witness. If I hear you were hanging out with homeless people, I'm going to say proudly, that's a good witness. If I hear you hung out at George Floyd Square, I'm going to say proudly, that's a good witness. Wherever you go that people don't expect a Christian to be, I'm going to say proudly, that's a good witness. One of our missionaries spent time around Christmas delivering Christmas cookies to her friends. This is in a country where culturally it's unexpected to just show up at someone's home, even if you're bringing a gift. However, in this one act of service and by the power and prompting of the Holy Spirit, this person was a witness where they were, where they knew, and where they had never been. Some of these people's homes. Also, that act of service wasn't anything that you or I can't do ourselves. Jesus provides the tools to build the kingdom. It's up to me to use them. Let's pray together from Psalm 147. The Lord rebuilds his kingdom and gathers his people. He heals the brokenhearted and oppressed, bandaging their wounds. He gives his shining ones names. The Lord confronts the wicked. The Lord is not impressed by human strength, but values those who humbly put their hope in his faithful love. Lord, may we, vessels for your work, Do your work, that your kingdom will expand and prosper, and that your word will be declared to all nations. As you reflect on this message, think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, one thing you want to learn more about, and one thing you will do based on what you have heard. Now I leave you with this blessing. May our God who called Abraham when he was but one and blessed him and made him many, show you the incomparable riches of his grace that you might know you are his workmanship to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do.